Right, well, time now to uh, to talk a bit of cricket. And, gee, there's stacks of cricket around, isn't there? Obviously, the T20 World Cup and uh, plenty of Sheffield Shield. Um, and it's great to have cricket nut and uh, what else do we call you? All-round sports nut, really. Uh, Lachlan McCurdy on the line. Lachlan is a, a content provider for News Corp. Um, fresh off three days of watching Sheffield Shield cricket, I, I believe. Lockie, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Oh, it is great to be here, Chris. Thank you so much. I, I've spent the day down at Chamoyne Oval. It was absolutely, well, you wouldn't say beautiful. The weather was windy. It was very blustery down there, but it was a, a sunny day for the most part. Nice and warm. It feels like summer's here, especially when you're watching cricket in person. It just feels so much better. Oh, it does it what? It's balmy, balmy in Sydney. Um, very balmy. It feels like we're in the middle of winter. We'll talk more about the Sheffield yeah. Shield in a moment, mate. Um, did you manage to squeeze in four hours of Australia beating Sri Lanka overnight? Look, I didn't necessarily do it overnight. I did get up early this morning and watch the replay, though. I, I just couldn't quite get my sleep pattern to work out yeah. to, to get up for the one o'clock start. But look, it was an important game for Australia. They got their this tournament underway with an, a, a crucial win over South Africa, and they had to get the job done against Sri Lanka. And Look, we got the job done, but we also got a huge boost in terms of really a good return to form for David Warner, which was nice to see, and Aaron Finch. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see. I think a good result all around. It's funny, isn't it, how um, you know, one performance uh, or a couple of good performances in the case of Finch and Davey Warner, it, it sort of it puts the critics at bay just for a while, doesn't it? They were all mm. um, prepared to um, you know, even suggest that changes need to be made pronto at the top of the order, but they've certainly both bought themselves, a, well, not, not a bit more time. I, I think they're almost immovable in the, um, in the immediate future. I definitely tend to agree. I mean, looking at the innings, Finch was far from convincing in that first over. He had a couple of LB shouts that, that were clearly not out, but clearly struck on the pads. But there was one on drive that when you see him get his feet moving, you know that Finch has got his eye in. So that's what you like to see. Davey was the same. I mean, a reverse sweep when he was on one to hit a boundary. If that goes anywhere else, he could almost be out. But yeah. it goes for four and he gets to 65, a really impressive score considering his lack of runs in recent times. Good strike rate, 65. But it's funny too, isn't it? Like, you know, we're all sitting here today and, and I see the headline Warner back to a swash, swashbuckling best, if that's the right terminology. Um, but he was given a life, wasn't he? he? He could have been gone on 18, I think it was. Mm, it, it, it's what I think we come to expect from Warner that because he, of his aggressive nature, he's going to give up those chances and... Look, we've just got to be thankful that he, he didn't go because this was the sort of innings he needed to provide a platform for the rest of the tournament. And it, that's what happens with T20 cricket, that there's all these chances that are going to come and go so quickly. And if you don't take them, the game moves so fast that you're going to regret it. And that's what Sri Lanka did in the end. Our bowling attack was much discussed going into this tournament, um, which is a good thing because we've got such depth mm. there. Uh, Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins and Zampa seems to be the preferred quartet with Maxwell and Stoyness chiming in. Um, you think that's the best approach? I think for now what we've seen throughout the first two games, that they're not going to make any changes, obviously, on the back of two wins. Obviously, Zampa was particularly impressive. Took two for 12 in his four overs and just kept the run rate down impressively. And again, it's weird when you talk about one of Australia's most decorated T20 bowlers, but he, he does seem almost underrated in that regard, that while we know that he can take wickets, his ability to just keep the run rate down has been so impressive, especially in that sort of, that those middle overs after the power play. And yeah, I guess above that, Mitch Stark, again, kind of 
it was interesting. He got hit by Kusal Pereira for six. Next ball, bowls a brilliant Yorker to get him out. It was hit and miss, but considering we weren't even sure if he was going to play, it was fantastic to see him get two wickets. Pat Cummins with two wickets as well. And Hazelwood, miserly as usual in the early overs. So I, I think the balance is there. It'll be interesting to see against maybe some of the other teams, maybe against like an England where the Agar comes back into the side. But Maxwell and Stoinis were a bit expensive against Sri Lanka. So obviously uh, the four key bowlers are, are going to be crucial for Justin Langer and his team going forward. Well, going forward, our, our biggest test, it's, it's tomorrow night, or well, to be precise, 1am Sunday morning against <laughs> England. The first ball is at 1am. Um, how, how good is this English side, do you think? Look, they're very good. I mean, West Indies were a team that many people thought could win this tournament and they absolutely rolled over the West Indies and they looked so dominant in that first match. I think a part of that was maybe poor performance by the West Indies, but it was just absolutely clinical from England. I mean, they've got such a well-balanced side. They've had such a well-balanced white ball side for so long now. It's why they won the the one-day World Cup over in England and it's why they're heavy favourites for this tournament, you have to think, especially out of this group. And look, Australia are in a very good position, being two wins and no losses from their two games, as are England. And I don't necessarily think this will be the game that decides who goes through. But if Australia can somehow snatch a win from this game, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to go through from the group stages. Mm. Yeah, it's a huge game, isn't it? Now, obviously, it'll be a different squad coming out for the Ashes for England. But mm. if England do go on and win this tournament, which you know looks like a fairly good case that they might, uh, you think that form will, will carry into the, the Test Series down here? Undoubtedly, I think. I mean, for the most part, as you mentioned, there are differences in the squads. But if you come off any sort of tournament win, that's going to give you a huge boost in morale. And especially when you're coming to Australia for their their big Ashes series that there's been so much talk about. They'll be in great spirits with Ben Stokes coming to the squad with the likes of um, oh, Joe Root to join Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, all, Stuart Broad rather, all fresh. If they can come to Australia off the back of a T20 World Cup victory, yeah, look out because that would be a squad full of confidence ahead of a five-test match series. All right, turn our attention to uh, to Sheffield Shield. You've been, I think, a regular at Dremoyne Oval, haven't you, the last three, mm. three days? How are New South Wales travelling against Victoria? Look, they're certainly in a, a tough position. I mean, on the first day's play, they bowled Victoria out for 199, and it, it looked quite positive. Sean Abbott with six wickets, Cam Sanger, the young leg-spinning debutant, also picked up three. It looked like a really good position, but a, a pretty disappointing batting performance yesterday saw New South Wales all out for 151 and that 48 run lead we weren't sure how crucial it would be but wow what an incredible partnership from Marcus Harris and Peter Hanscom today 261 runs they put on together in really warm conditions down at Dremoyne it got up to 34 35 at various points wind was blowing a gale down there off the river and yeah, it was just a remarkable innings from both of them. Harris finished at 137, Pete Hans came on 115, and Victoria, I, I thought they might declare a bit earlier, but I think they're fairly confident that they can do the job against this New South Wales batting lineup. Uh, New South Wales are one for 33 at the end of day three, Dan Hughes falling, falling late in the day. So New South Wales will need 306 runs to win on day four on Saturday. Um, I reckon skipper Curtis Patterson is going to be the key man there to, to try and salvage something. I think it is a good batting deck, but it's going to be important for whoever gets in to 
stay in for a little bit because as we saw from Harrison Hanscom that once you're in, it can be pretty hard for the bowlers to find a breakthrough. All right. Um, I'm talking to Lockie McCurdy, by the way, of Code Sports. He also um, provides content for, for News Limited. Up in Queensland, Lockie, uh, Usman Khawaja has found form again in Shield cricket. What was 174? Was it in a monster innings against uh, South Australia? Um, and 119 against Tasmania yesterday. There is sort of a push, isn't there, for maybe Uzi to come back and open the batting with David Warner if Will Pekoski is um, likely to be out. Good idea or not? Oh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Usman Khawaja, and we've seen that he's in form at the moment. Uh, for me, I'm still be leaning towards Marcus Harris as the incumbent um, in terms of the first test anyway. I, I'd love to see Usman Khawaja around the squad. I, I even think it could be a possibility about down the order in that number five spot. And, of course, if he is picked to open, I think he'd do a fantastic job. But in terms of the Australian side and where it's set up at the moment, I think Usman is maybe just that rung below Marcus Harris, just because Harris has runs on the boards in terms of he went over and had a fantastic county season for Leicestershire. He's just scored a century in the Sheffield Shield against New South Wales. And, yeah, he's looking in pretty good nickers and as, in, as the incumbent from that fourth test at the Gabba against India last year, I think he just has the edge over Usman Kwadra at the moment, unless... Kawaja can really ram the door down. Yeah, that, that's how I see it playing out at the moment. Mm. Uh, Stumps day three there too, by the way. Uh, that match is in Townsville, isn't it? Uh, Queensland mm. and Tasmania. Tasmania need another uh, 311 runs with nine wickets remaining uh, on the final day. All right, mate. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on the line, joining us on higher ground. Uh, away from cricket, you were at the Matildas game Tuesday as well. What, what was it like? Oh, it was fantastic. I, I managed to get to both the games on Saturday and Tuesday and... Oh, the atmosphere was fantastic. It was full of people who were just itching here in Sydney to watch some live sport. I mean, we got 15,000 on Saturday, 12,000 on Tuesday. And I had fantastic seats right next to the, the Brazilian fan contingent. And boy, they made noise for the whole 90 minutes. They were absolutely wonderful to be a part of and brought some of that South American flair that you see in football games over there to Australia. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see the Matildas back here in action. Sam Kerr was brilliant scoring that goal. Ellie Carpenter, another... Uh, incredible player who's doing amazing things in Europe. Fantastic to see them back on Australian soil after, I think, over a year and a half. So great to see them back. Socceroos will be back in a month as well. So, yeah, plenty of great football to look forward to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, enjoy your weekend. Lockie, thanks for joining us on Higher Ground. Thank you, Chris.